I'm on right now. I don't believe you. That's not six. One plus two plus two plus one. You really are crazy. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Me? No, come on. Don't be crazy. Hello, everyone. Have y'all ever questioned if La La Land deserved to be nominated for Best Picture? Or debated if Quentin Tarantino is actually overrated? Or perhaps challenge others by asking, is Die Hard a true Christmas movie? Well, here on the Don't Be Crazy Movie Podcast, we ask those questions and more with the help of fellow film enthusiasts. Who's we? Well, I'm Zach Rancourt, and with me today, I have the pleasure of bringing on my friend, fan of the show, been on the show, main man number one, David Dassa. I might not be a certified film critic, or I might not even have a column in, in The New Yorker, but the only thing I love more than cinema is talking about it. David, hello again, my friend. Why don't you introduce yourself to anybody who doesn't know who you are, um, but that'd be crazy because everyone should be following the Geek Garage podcast. <laughs> hey, Zach. Uh, so, so glad to be back on, and thank you for those uh, kind words as always uh, you always do such a wonderful job with introducing me and giving me uh, way too much credit that uh, that, that I, I I probably deserve some of it uh, I, I do work a little hard but not harder than I should <laughs> everybody's working for the weekend David <laughs> exactly everybody's working. Um, but uh, yes yeah, so um, I uh, what what why don't you in, in, introduce yourself briefly to uh, to, could, to the beautiful I, people, the beautiful I, people, da, 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 da. <laughs> the beautiful people. Oh, he's canceled, dude. We can't talk about him. Yeah, he is a piece of shit. Yeah, it turns out that all of our moms were correct. Yeah. Like our moms in like seventh and eighth grade. That Marilyn Manson, he is no good. And we were like, "Shut up, mom! You don't understand yeah. the young people." It turns out moms were right. And they blamed it on Marilyn and the yeah. heroin. Where were the parents at? But anyways, <laughs> yeah. But anyways, why don't you introduce yourself? Right. So yeah, you uh, you definitely uh, you you touched on the Geek Garage podcast. That is uh, one thing that I am definitely known for. Um, I kind of I, I dabble in a little bit of everything, but um, yeah, I actually uh, I, I'm not sure when this uh, episode will debut, but I'm sure it's it won't be too far off from our recording date which is the beginning of February. Uh, it is actually the uh, sixth anniversary of the podcast, the Geek Garage podcast. Wow, um, congratulations. Thanks. Um, I don't know uh, with uh, podcasts, if it's anniversary or birthday, I've been kind of using them interchangeably. But um, but yeah, uh, it's it's been kind of a milestone. Um, I not really. I mean, it's just another year in the bag and uh, it, it's kind of slowed down uh, this past year, which is cool. Like, you know, kind of taking a step back and refocusing and analyzing on what works and what doesn't. But um, yeah, uh, I mean, for the most part, we still kind of we try and focus on a breadth of geeky and nerdy topics. Of course, that includes movies, um, you know, the Mar uh, Marvel movies, DC movies, um, which is an interesting topic in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, a lot of contemporary stuff, stuff that's, uh, you know, being released on Netflix and HBO Max and um, 
and just other random stuff that pops up. And, and we kind of promote it as like, you know, the most inclusive and accessible nerd culture podcast that like you could just kind of jump into it and you don't have to worry about checking out our backlog to understand what's going on or, you know, uh, making sure that you know a lot about Star Trek and we're covering Star Trek and you only know about Star Wars. So mm-hmm. like we, we just try and tackle everything from a very surface level perspective and make sure that it's, you know, accessible for everyone and anyone that wants to enjoy the, uh, the topic at hand for that week. So exactly. There you yeah. go. So yeah. Cool. Well, I am excited to have you on, as always, and we'll just jump Mm -hmm. into it. We are going to be discussing the movie Signs from Mm -hmm. 2002. I I saw saw the sign. sign. Oh, my God. (laughs) Same page. Same page. Opened up my eyes. I saw the sign. (laughs) Exactly. Um, It was directed by M. Night Shyamalan, who did The Village, The Sixth Sense, Split, uh, and we won't talk about the other ones because we'll get into those later. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be a very uh, heavy M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong episode. Shyamalama Ding Dong. It was also written by M. Night Shyamalan because he's a jack of all trades and he's the greatest ever. Uh, it stars Mel Gibson, Joaquin Phoenix, Rory Culkin, Abigail Breslin, and Cherry Jones. I love that Cherry Jones. She's great. She's really good in a lot of stuff. She's in Ocean's 12. She plays Matt Damon's mom. <laughs> right. Yeah. She, uh, she, she's one of those character actors that like, uh, like she shows up and you don't know her name, but you're like, Oh, it's that girl. And she like brings it for every single role that she's in. Like she always just, every time I see her on screen, she's always crushing it. Like she, she's usually plays like the badass, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I don't know. She just usually does such a great job. So yeah, she's in The Village, she's in Perfect Storm, she's in Ocean's 12, uh, she is in Succession, which you just recently finished, um, mm-hmm. she plays Nan Pierce, and even her three episodes that she's in, she's so commanding on screen, and freaking one of my favorite side characters who just plays that intricate game of chess, but yeah, so. Right, yeah, she she does a, she did a great job of playing opposite of, um, what's Brian his Cox. name? Yeah, he, uh, he, he she played like almost the exact same type of character that he is, but just like like a more like uh, religious type, I guess. And mm-hmm. just, uh, uh, I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain. You just have to watch it. But oh, it's so good. Yeah, I'll seeing just... them on screen together was dynamite. <laughs> Yeah, and this is the only plug I'll make for the night for Succession. It is in the pantheon of TV shows of of some of the greatest of all time. So please watch, please watch Succession. It, yeah. it is phenomenal. It's damn good. Okay, so uh, critical reception for Signs, 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb. And Rotten Tomatoes has it at 75% on the tomato meter, so a solid C. Uh, the audience didn't like it as much, though, 67% for the audience score. So it is streaming on HBO Max here in the United States. I own it on, well, I bought it on Vudu uh, like a year ago. But did you watch it on HBO Max? I did, yes. Great. Well, there we go. Mm-hmm. Best streaming service there is. It's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. I like I it like a lot. It. Yeah. So the budget for Signs was estimated at $72 million. That's U.S. dollars. Dollars. Um, <laughs> opening weekend in U.S. and Canada was August 4th, 2002. And it grossed $60 million. Um Overall, in U.S. and Canada, it grossed $227.96 million. And then worldwide, it grossed $408.2 million. So very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that a lot of that has to do with his previous works. So um, mm-hmm. 
Fun facts, Joaquin Phoenix replaced Mark Ruffalo, who had to pull out of the film due to a brain tumor. It was later found to be benign. And that is fascinating because I did not know Mark Ruffalo had a brain tumor. Yeah, I didn't either. That's crazy. uh, Two very good actors who both went on to do very great things. So Mm -hmm. I I think it's, it's an even switch. Um, M. Night Shyamalan said that this was the easiest of all of his movies to write and direct. Hmm. Okay. Okay there, bud. Um, (laughs) I can, you know what? I can kind of see that like location wise. I mean, what it's like three, four locations. I mean, handful like, and with the majority of it taking place at their farmhouse. Right. Like just, just that alone, like adds to, you know, the simplicity. Not mm-hmm. to say that making a movie is simple in any right, but yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Mel Gibson didn't realize Shyamalan was playing the vet until the day that they came to shoot their scenes together. And then finally, M. Night Shyamalan had the cast watch The Birds from 1963 several times during production. Um, I actually have not seen The Birds from Alfred Hitchcock. It is mm-hmm. on Peacock, I believe. And so I was just about to watch it the other day, but I kind of got sidetracked. Um, I will definitely watch it because I'm a Hitchcock fan. So Yeah, uh, The Birds is definitely worth the watch. A lot of people uh, hold The Birds in very high regards, like higher than Psycho and... I can see, I can see that. Uh, not me personally. I, I think like yeah. Psycho is the goat. Like, Psycho, Psycho's just, incredible. It just it curb stomps all other <laughs> movies from that era. Uh, but yeah, um, the birds. I, I can, I can see why uh, that that would be akin to this film. So. Bird, bird, bird. Bird is a word. <laughs> All right. Well, here's a synopsis for anybody who has not seen Signs. Uh, if you don't want this spoiler-filled synopsis, I don't know why you're listening to the podcast. I still appreciate and love you. But you can go ahead and skip ahead about five minutes and we should be done. Here we go. Former Episcopal priest Graham Hess lives on a rural farm in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, with his uh, asthmatic preteen son, Morgan, and young daughter, Bo. Graham's younger brother, Merrill, a failed minor league baseball player, has been helping the family since Graham's wife, Colleen, died in a traffic accident six months earlier. Graham abandoned the church in the aftermath uh, aftermath of the incident. When large crop circles appear in the Hess's cornfield, they are initially attributed to vandals. However, other crop circles begin to appear globally, and lights from invisible objects hover over many of Earth's cities. One night, Graham and Merrill chase a figure into into the field, and Graham glimpses another among the cornstalks, followed by strange clicking noises broadcast through Bo's old baby monitor. To the family's continued terror, news footage emerges of what appears to be an alien. After receiving a phone call from Ray Reddy, the man responsible for his wife's death, Graham travels to Reddy's home and finds him sitting in his car outside of the house. Reddy expresses remorse for Colleen's death and warns Graham that a creature is locked inside the pantry. Believing that the aliens avoid water, he leaves her at a lakeside. Graham enters the house and uses a kitchen knife to peer under the pantry door. A clawed hand emerges and swipes at Graham. He cuts off the fingers in a panic. As the worldwide alien invasion begins, the family barricades themselves inside their house. When the aliens break in, the family takes shelter in the basement. Morgan has an asthma attack, but survives the night. The family emerges the next morning after the radio reports that the aliens have abruptly abandoned Earth as if something scared them off. It's got a board with a nail in it. It's a Simpsons reference. <laughs> oh, my a- No, it's okay. <laughs> the, aliens, the alien, previously trapped inside Reddy's pantry, enters the house and takes Morgan hostage. 
Recalling Colleen's dying words, Graham tells Merrill to swing away using his baseball bat. The alien sprays Morgan with toxic gas from its wrist. Graham recovers his stricken son as Merrill bashes the creature and smashes glasses of water at it, eventually killing it. Outside, Graham administers Morgan's medication, realizing that his son's constricted lungs prevented him from inhaling the toxins, an act that Graham attributes to the intervention from a higher power. Months later, the Hess family has recovered from the ordeal, and Graham returns to the church. So that is signs, and I it saw is. I saw it. I saw the sign. And it opened up my eyes. Um, okay, well, let's jump into it then. Um, so signs, David. There were moments in this film where... I did get some pretty intense chills and goosebumps, like like actual goosebumps. Um, anyone who has listened to this show may know that I'm not a big fan of aliens in, in movies. Um, I like watching alien movies, but they just scare me for some reason. Right. Um, I don't know why. But Signs, Fire in the Sky, and even Nope, those movies gave me chills. Uh, it was fun, but they still gave me chills. Mm-hmm. Do aliens scare you? And if not, what are some potentially fictitious creatures that do scare you? Uh, so this is a yes and no kind of answer. Um, so yes, in a sense where it did, but doesn't really like if we were to be invaded tomorrow, then I'd probably be pretty scared. But like as a kid, uh, like, you know, early, uh, like adolescence, early teens, like 10, 11, 12, 13, like that was like, Ooh, like aliens were the shit like i was equally terrified and intrigued by aliens like i I just i couldn't get enough um i just i found them fascinating and terrifying and in like all the best ways um and uh yeah so like i said i I think that was kind of like a just a childhood thing where like you know you, you just have such an active imagination and then you you know, sometimes you grow out of it or you just your perspective shifts. And, and so you don't necessarily have the same feelings as you did uh, as a kid. Um, but like I said, you know, still to an extent, um, you know, I think uh, alien ab- ab- alien abduction stories, uh, not all of them <laughs> per se, but uh, a lot of them, they tend to be the scariest for me uh, in terms of like alien um, related media i guess yeah. um and movies obviously uh like bob lazar's uh documentary that was pretty crazy and travis walton uh, of course he's the one from fire in the sky um regardless of what you think about joe rogan he was on his podcast a year or two ago um for like three hours and he detailed uh like his abduction story and it is fucking nuts like it is and he's been telling the same story you know for for decades since it happened um and it's it's crazy um but like if if i'm watching like a documentary like a, a an alien abduction documentary or some old like unsolved mysteries thing with uh with aliens and someone like russell case from independence day comes on (laughs) they're talking about like you know when they took me up and their spaceship and they pro i'm just like "Hmm." (laughs) like i just i start cracking up laughing uh but in terms of like you know you asked like if not like what other creatures like these are other ones that i find like pretty spooky or scary or terrifying or just 
you know, thrilling to, to think about. Um, Mothman has always been one. Mm, good uh, one. Yeah. Possessive spirits really of, of any kind. Um, I, you know, take your pick. Uh, you know, the, the lore surrounding possessive spirits, possessive spirits in movies like the exorcist and, um, the conjuring and paranormal paranormal activity of course uh the boogeyman the baba yaga um both john wick version and (laughs) like like they actually just did you see the trailer for the new boogeyman movie uh, the stephen king i saw the teaser trailer with the the light orb that the little girl rolls under the bed and i was Mm -hmm. like cool 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 yeah yeah um i actually i uh the the short story it's actually available for free online if if you want to read it it's only like 10 pages um because it was one of the first things that he ever wrote and like submitted. I don't even know if he got paid for it, but it was it's like a magazine a long time ago. Um, also, uh, anglerfish, squid, and Cthulhu. Ooh, Cthulhu is a good one. <laughs> yeah, um, anglerfish and squid; those are real. Cthulhu, um, that's that's yet to be seen. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know what? If Cthulhu came out of the fucking ocean, I'd be like. We had a good run, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be all racist like Lovecraft was, but um, yeah, that would be pretty crazy stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. What uh, What about you? Um, I mean, definitely aliens. I think, you know, I when I was a kid, I used to be scared of vampires uh, and it was weird because when I would sleep, I would put my blankets all the way up over my head and I would cover the top of my head and my neck. And Mm -hmm. the only thing that would be showing would just be like my oval of a face. And for some reason I thought if I covered my neck, vampires couldn't bite me. Um, (laughs) So I was very terrified of that growing up. Uh, I'm, I'm with you on the paranormal stuff. That's probably the only other thing that really freaks me out. Um, Not, you know, I'm not scared of like werewolves or anything. They're, they're fast, but if you, just don't go out on a full moon. I think it'll be good. Um, Why yeah. on earth would a museum put a mummy <laughs> in it? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Okay, Kevin. Uh, but but mummies, you know, eh, they're, they're they're slow. I'm not really worried about that, that yeah. too much. So I I, I don't know. Um, I would definitely have to say echo what you're saying about the the, the paranormal entities or the demonic possessions of of mm. such because there's not really anything you could do. And in movies like sinister and like insidious that just follow, it follows you. Yeah. Uh, that's what is the crazy part. You can't just get out of a haunted house because it's a ghost. It like, it follows you. Right. So. Yeah. It's, it's not something like tangible that you can like, you're like, okay, like we can figure out its weaknesses. Like its weakness is the neck or like, it definitely won't be able to live if we chop off its head. Yeah. Uh, like you don't have that advantage with something you can't really see. Um, so yeah. Wolfman's got nards. <laughs> what the fuck is that from? Uh, the monster squad. Have you ever seen the monster squad? Ooh, I, I don't think so. It's awesome. So it came out in like 86 or 87 and it is basically the Goonies, but it's a group of kids that they learn everything about classic monsters and mm. they just, they, they love them. They read comics on them and stuff. And then, Surprise, surprise, Dracula comes to life, and so does Frankenstein's monster, the Wolfman, the Mummy, uh, and the creature from the Black Lagoon. Nice. And like these kids have to band together because there's all this shit happening, and uh, they kick the Wolfman in the, in the nuts, and he like mm-hmm. falls over, and they're like, Wolfman's got nards! <laughs> if, you, if you haven't seen the Monster Squad, you gotta watch it. It's so good. Um, 
Yeah. yeah, I'm looking looking it up. Uh, yeah, Monster Squad 1987, currently on Paramount Plus, and I am adding it to my queue as we speak. It's, it's so good. It's so cheesy. It's just it's a Halloween Goonies, basically. Um, I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, or like Stranger Things, kind of. There we go. Yeah, it, it, when you were describing it, I was like, oh yeah, that, that's kind of like a like a Stranger Things. Yeah, if they ever remade it, I'd probably watch it. Uh, but I feel like it'd be too similar to Stranger Things. So that's yeah, the only, that's probably. The only thing. Okay, well, I want to address the elephant in the room because it's quite large. So M. Night Shyamalan, he's the elephant. He's a director whose name is internationally known, yet his work and his reputation has been polarizing, to say the least. For every good film he directs, he creates an equally terrible film as part <laughs> of his, his repertoire, his resume. The good, Signs, The Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, The Village, and Split. The bad, The Last Airbender, Devil, After Earth, Glass, The Happening, Old, etc., etc. My question is, what is the limit at what point can we stop giving him carte blanche to make his movies? Uh, I'm not sure if there is a limit, actually. Uh, so he, um, we're going to go with the political first, uh, it, if you want to call this political. He is a male, um, and unfortunately, as we're all aware, men do tend to get uh, chances and opportunities that um, other people, women, um, might uh, might not get or, or men just get more cha- second third fourth 17th chances on average <laughs> yeah. uh, i don't think that's too much of a secret um or uh, too polarizing of a view i think you know we can pretty much all agree on that but politics aside um i, I think it kind of boils down to a few things um uh, there's this hope of capturing lightning in a bottle again uh and that's what happened with the sixth sense and unbreakable and so like he and his audiences and i include myself in there uh we're just chasing the dragon we're, we're trying to like recreate that magic formula that he had for those beginning first couple of movies where it just like the twists were just like the juiciest red apple on a hot <laughs> summer day. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I, I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, I think uh, money has uh, quite a bit to do with it as well. So on average, uh, I think his films usually, you know, they tend to make a lot of money, uh, you know, regardless of, you know, uh, reviews like, he just he just has that name recognition so people want to go see uh want to go see them um and uh i was reading like he delivers projects on time at or under budget um like i said he's got the name recognition uh also uh this was more of a, a personal observation um uh, it seems like he he kind of makes I feel like Robert California talking about the black eyed peas. Um, he kind of makes horror and suspense for people that quote unquote, don't like horror and yeah. suspense or like, it's not their bag, but they will go see it under a certain condition. Like Harrison Ford is in it. And Oh, like he, he does action movies and I like action movies. I don't really like horror movies, but he's in, you know, this, so I'm going to go, I'm going to make an exception and go see it. I feel like that's kind of him where he he has that accessibility to him where 
you know, you'll, you'll go see like, you're like, I don't, I'm not a horror fan, uh, or a fan of suspense. Don't like, I, I hate being titillated. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you will, uh, you'll go see it because of his name recognition and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe it'll be good this time. Uh, and then you go and it's something like old. Oh, you're like, well, <laughs> <laughs> I heard the comic was good. <laughs> yeah. That's what I heard too. But like, yeah. how do you. How do you butcher it? Oh yeah, the last airbender. I mean, mm-hmm. like he has source material he can pull from, but no, he does his his egotistical bullshit that he always does and I agree with you. I mean, I it's it's very well well put. He's a box office draw. Um David, he hasn't had since 2006 when Lady of the Water came out. That was probably in my opinion his last solid yes. film because mm-hmm. I enjoyed that movie. Um I wouldn't say it's like one of his best, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. But I never saw The Visit, and I never saw um, The Servant TV show. But, I mean, we're talking The Happening, Last Airbender, After Earth, Wayward Pines, The Visit, Split. Split was solid. Glass, mm-hmm. Old, and then Knock at the Cabin. I mean, those are all duds. I I, I just don't like any of those. Um, and, uh, quite frankly, I don't really want to see Knock at the Cabin. I, As soon as I saw the premise, I'm like, this is kind of weird. This is kind of like Cabin in the Woods, and they're also giving away a lot of what's going on in the trailer, mm-hmm. and that's kind of ruining it for me. I'm like, okay, so we're going to see some end-of-the-world shit. Yeah, like, to me, that with any other director, I'd be like, oh, like, you know, the first trailer didn't give too much away, so that's cool. Second trailer gives way too much away. Way too uh, much sh- away. Shows a lot of the movie, and I was like, wait a second, like, okay maybe this is m night doing his thing where he's maybe some misdirection you know he's showing you things but it, it doesn't necessarily mean you know what you think it means and you know there there be some twists so you know i'm still holding out hope i know the early uh early reviews are in and it's not too favorable <laughs> but uh you know i i'll 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 be streaming it. I'll, I'll wait until it comes out on DVD and catch it then. Uh, but uh, DVD, what year is this? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's that's. Uh, I, I just use the first thing that pops into my head. I'm gonna go pick it up on Betamax. You gotta you gotta check your boxes online for Netflix, and then you gotta mail it back. Make sure that you you have you know two at a time plan going on there, and don't don't password share either. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Don't you dare. But I guess for me, it's like. So that ship has already sailed with M. Night Shyamalan. When when the preview for Devil came out, after I saw the happening, I'm like, are you serious? This movie's terrible. And then I was excited about The Last Airbender. I'm like, oh, cool. This could be really good. And then I was like, what the hell? Yeah, I didn't so, even see it. So he, he just he completely fell off a cliff after that. And I'm like, yep, pass, 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 pass. And mm-hmm. then when I saw the trailer for, yeah, uh, Devil, like I was saying, um, oh, shit. Did he even direct Devil? Maybe he produced it. Uh, that that is possible. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe he produced it or wrote it, but it that, did have it did have a twist in it. You know, like y- it's the you know spoiler. It's the the old grandma and yeah. the uh, old lady and the the uh, the elevator that turns out to be, I guess, the devil. It's been a while since I've seen yeah. it. But. So he did produce it, but that movie draws a lot of similarities to Cube, um, which mm. I think is a far superior horror film. But I think what you said, you nailed it. Um, he makes 
quote unquote horror films for people who don't, don't like horror films. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's a watered down milk toast, like horror film. And <laughs> I, I just, I, I'm not a fan of it. He has good moments. Like I just talked about how signs gave me chills at times, but that doesn't mean that he, he, he does a great job with it. Um, and so I think for me, I've touched that hot stove too many times to know that he's going to burn me. He's mm-hmm. going to usher, let it burn. And so I, I, I have no interest in seeing knock at the cabin until I see it streaming, just like you're saying, which is in like two right. months, basically. <laughs> yeah. The, the window for, uh, from theater to, uh, streaming is at an all time what short i guess yeah. uh, I, it, I love it dude i'm loving it yeah i yeah uh, same i i mean especially for i mean it's like it's a double-edged sword i guess or you know there's good and there's bad like you know i don't know if it necessarily means bad things for the theater industry uh but it's good for people who like me, like me and my wife, we have kids, both have autism. So it's really hard for us to secure a sitter and go out. And whenever we do manage to, you know, get a a sitter for the kids, like the last thing we want to do is go, you know, sit in a dark room, uh, (laughs) not talking to each other. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, we want to go somewhere and have like adult conversation. That's not revolving around the children. Right. Um, so, but we still end up going to see like, marvel movies and stuff yeah no i I agree um i mean the theater we've had this discussion before too Mm -hmm. it's just hard to go to see a movie in theaters nowadays uh, with the tiktok generation and everybody on their cell phones um i feel like people the pandemic was terrible for movie theaters too which you know i'm a savant of of theaters i freaking love them i have all some of my most famous memories in life at theaters Mm -hmm. um but i have actively avoided them because i've just had too many bad experiences in recent memory where it's it's like you know, so obnoxious to go and really enjoy a movie. And especially with the the price of tickets, the, it doesn't, it's not feasible anymore, economically feasible to go and pay $18 for a ticket when I have to see somebody uh, on their cell phone taking selfies and talking mm-hmm. while I'm trying to be engaged in this movie. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the Nolans and, 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 and the Scorsese's and people who are talking about seeing movies on big screens, that's fine and all, but like, you have to put Alamo draft houses everywhere then. Cause Alamo draft house <laughs> is like the greatest uh, theater in the world. And I'm sure there are ones like it, but yeah, like everyone there is a cinephile yeah. and um, I'm, I'm a fan of that or at least they're adults and know how to act in a theater. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the last time I was there, uh, it just like kids were taking pictures of the screen and like filming during the movie and like their flashes were going off and is it was madness. I was like, have you never been brought out in public before you little shit? <laughs> like, yeah. So. The, the youths, the youths today, man, the youths, mm-hmm. like crazy. Yeah. Um, okay. Well that answered question number three actually also. So we'll just dump to number four. Cool. So um, this movie, like I talked about it, terrified me a bit uh, there. I don't want to bash on it too much or bash on Shyamalan too much. Cause this was in my list of his quote unquote good movies. Mm-hmm. Um, the jump scares in this movie are, are great. And I think that jump scares are one of the most effective tools that a director can use in suspenseful films and thrillers and horror films. Unfortunately, we have seen too many creators use jump scares in their films as a crutch and mm-hmm. not a tool. So if you have a movie where, a girl looks in a mirror and she opens it and the music's really quiet. You know, when she closes it, 
there's going to be something scary that pops out. Right. Uh, and unfortunately, too much modern horror has been using that. Now we're in a, in a paradigm shift where we're getting into more creative horror. So I'm all, all about it. But jump scares to me are stupid unless they're effectively done. Um, So they should be unexpected and not an expected standard. So how did you feel about the jump scares in signs? Yeah. Great question. Um, Because I feel like the jump scares are probably what uh, the, the most effective uh scary or horrific elements of this film or at least one of them um and, and uh, going even further than that the jump scares and signs are probably some of my favorite in horror movie history ever like uh, it, it's it, it's been a few years since i've seen signs so when i was watching i was kind of like taking note of each one and it, they're just they're fantastic um but, uh, so what, um, what I thought was really great about them was the, the variety, uh, and how they were shot. So like variety there, you know, there was a lot of in-person, um, uh, jump scares, like where, you know, it was happening or, you know, like for instance, uh, when Graham is outside, uh, towards the beginning and you you get that flash of the leg going into the the cornfields and you're like oh my god holy shit <laughs> like <laughs> that's kind of like the the start of it and then they kind of build up from there and then there's you know uh, they just they have different ones like just the way they're framed um you know the one on the tv a couple there's you know the the tv is used a couple times uh, as a matter of fact but um I, uh, I didn't know if you wanted me to go through like some examples, uh, or like some of my favorites, but, um, I did make a list just for my own sake. Like I made a list of ones that were like my quote unquote least favorite to my most favorite, but the least from, favorite from signs or from movies in general, from signs. And, and then I made a, a list uh, uh, because that's another question that you had. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, go ahead. Like for me, you know, and, and I just want everyone to make sure, you know, I love horror films and I just don't like when it's a, a silent scene, you know, it's coming and that anticipation, you know, there's, there is a fun element to being scared, right? Our adrenaline's pumping, our endorphins are pumping, but when you, uh, know it's going to happen, that just, it's, it's, I become numb to it. So for me, a, a, a great jump scare is when it's unexpected, when it's done tastefully, mm-hmm. and when it's when it enhances the story. Yeah. Um, not just to be there for the sake of it, like, oh, 20 minutes has passed and we haven't had a jump scare. It's it's if it fits the mold of the film, that's what I like. But yeah, go ahead. What are some of yours uh, f- from this movie that you, you liked and didn't like? Sure. Uh, and you can let me know if I forgot any or accidentally left any out, but I, I'm pretty sure I accounted for, for all of them. Um, and like I said, the, uh, the, you know, least favorite is uh, still like really good. Um, so from least to greatest, uh, when Graham believes he saw someone on the roof, uh, I, I guess it was the roof of the barn maybe mm-hmm. um when he was tucking his kids into bed uh, like i i had to rewind it a couple times and i still didn't really get a good look at mm-hmm. what he saw like it's very quick uh 
and then I just mentioned the leg in the cornfield, the uh, the uh, arm or hand in the basement when they retreat to the basement after the you know they've taken over the farmhouse and they have to retreat down there and Rory Culkin's character is like what and like all of a sudden you see the hand move and it's like right there the whole time mm-hmm. and but you don't notice it uh, in, until you know his hand actually moves uh, the hand slash fingers slash claw underneath the door at Ray's house. That was super effective. Um, <laughs> and then the last two are like a dead heat. I, I, just, I couldn't figure out which one I wanted to put best. But the there's the, the TV reflection uh, where they're like, okay, I think all the aliens are gone and it's you know safe and sound. They come back, they roll the TV in and boom, right in the reflection, you see the alien and he's got Rory Culkin's character in his arms. And like, it's like the perfect, like, jump scare leading into an actual scare mm-hmm. uh, where you get like that first like full frontal shot of the alien and you're just like holy shit and then uh of course the kid's birthday party that was um you know shown on the news program it's behind <laughs> yeah like uh, that will forever go down as one of the, like i just i should have brought my brown pants that day. <laughs> <laughs> like it just, it scared the absolute shit out of me it's it's still so damn good like it gets me every time yeah it's effective i mean we're all walking phoenix in that moment where yeah. he he jumps in you know that that was us the very first time i saw signs i was like holy shit i wasn't yeah expecting he's like oh like, like he yeah. jumps out of his chair um and like the way that they balance like the the humor and like horror in this movie is is really good i i don't know if we got a spa- uh, place to talk about that um in this episode but i think that's uh yeah they, i mean good. yeah the, you know the, the parts that were comedic in it were were good and they they did a good job with it for the most part um you know i like when he's like yeah, i have to curse and he's like yeah curse he's like i'm <laughs> i'm really angry i'm crazy and he goes I'm gonna whoop your ass or whatever. He's like, I'm gonna, I cursed. I'm gonna kick. I'm gonna kick your ass. I cursed. Yeah. I heard. Yeah, yeah. It's they did. A, I mean, Joaquin was great in it too. They they did a good job, and the kids were adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there was a good blend of humor in it for sure. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't put the scene when he has the flashlight in the cornfield and he's like tapping it and he points it over and sees a leg just go in. I was like, whoa, shit. I didn't like that. That's that's what I was talking about when I said the the leg in the cornfield. Oh, I thought you. Oh, sorry. I must have missed that. I was thinking that was spliced between the, the roof and then the hand under the door. So, oh, OK. Yeah. 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 The, um, yeah, that was I think that that's like the first scene where you're yeah. like, oh, my God. Yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> Yeah, and it's 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 great because like I don't know if the alien was like using their camouflaging um, abilities mm-hmm. at that moment, but like it works because it's the same shade as the corn stalks. Mm-hmm. So like you don't notice it at first, and, and then it, it moves, and you're like, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, I, I got my my other jump scares too because I like I I initially misread your question like i thought you wanted me to list my favorite jump scares from this movie and so i did and then i reread it and it was like what's your jumps favorite jump scares from other movies and i was like well fuck 
All good. So I so I listed those as well. Do so you okay? I, well, then let's let's jump right into that. Uh, oh! what, what are some What are some of your favorite jump scares from other movies? Okay, so I had to throw a funny one in here because, like, when you gotta get a jump scare in a not horror movie, um, Grandma's Boy when he goes to stay over at his grandma's house, and she's like. When, She's like, Sophie died. And she's like, oh, she died right over there on the floor. And like later on that night, he's like, he's like covered up with the covers. And he was like, oh, <laughs> I was on the floor. And no one came to rescue me. And he's like, I'm so sorry, Sophie. I would have helped you. I swear to God, I would. <laughs> Grandma pops up. I'm like, gotcha. It fucking it cracks me up like every time. And it's like genuinely a good jump scare. Like it's, you know, you're, you're not really, I mean, you're kind of expecting it cause it's, it's like kind of building it up to, to something, but it's still funny and, you know, effective. Um, but, uh, I put the ring, the closet scene, um, you know, I saw her face and, yeah, that uh, nightmare face that no one else uh, on planet Earth will ever be able to get out of their out of their brain. Um, the Darth Maul demon from Insidious when he's behind oh, uh, God, yeah. <laughs> uh, Patrick Wilson. Oh, uh, I hate ooh, that one. Ugh, heebie-jeebies every time. Every time. A uh, couple scenes from Hereditary. Uh, mostly the the dad going up in flames. That that's I feel like that's kind of a one of mm-hmm. the biggest ones if you want to say there's such a thing as a reverse jump scare or like a, like an inside out jump scare or backwards, like I'd say, I know we've talked about this on your podcast before, but um, when he wakes up and it's nighttime and Tony Collette's character is like spider walking, like first she's in the the top corner um, and like, you can barely notice her. Like it's mm-hmm. only until she starts walking, but like the shot is framed to where like, you're supposed to be able to like naturally like looking around the room, like you're supposed to be able to see her, but mm-hmm. you don't like, she's just so perfectly concealed. So like when she starts moving, like it's, it's not like a jump scare, but it's still scary. So it, it feels kind of like a, almost like a reverse jump scare or, I don't know. Um, you, you know who does that really well is Nia DaCosta in um, the Candyman, the sequel, the, the updated one, where she places Candyman in the shadows in several scenes, but doesn't draw focus to him. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of a blink and you miss it, but he's still on screen for a little bit longer. But you just right. have to be paying attention. And I remember seeing it and I was like, holy shit, what was that? And I had to rewind it. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and, and so it's kind of like that hereditary scene like you're talking about. Yeah. Um, now that I think about it, I need to rewatch that because um, I was kind of toasted when I saw it. Uh, so <laughs> I need to rewatch it. Um, we talked about this a little bit off air um, a while back, but The Exorcist 3, I uh, I didn't realize until I watched on Shudder that series, the 101 scariest moments in yep. horror movie history. Great series, by the way. Um, get Shudder just for that series because uh, it will give you a giant list of horror movies to check out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Exorcist 3, it was like number, I think number 16 on the, the list of 101. Um, but yeah, they uh, the scary moment that they pointed out in that movie was that jump scare. And they said like, you know, it, it's 
highly regarded as one of the best jump scares of all time. Um, and I'm hesitant to even really talk about it or say anything about it. Like it's worth it to just kind of go into it uh, and and not really expect it. Like, yeah, it's, with the Exorcist three. I mean, I haven't seen it, but I know exactly what you're talking about because it's right. on a lot of the list and stuff that I've you know I've watched. But it's the reason why it's so good is because it just expertly builds up with this yeah. uneasy sense of dread in the hospital over the course of like a five minute scene. Yeah, and, it's and a very long scene, and the, it's one shot. Yep, and the walking back and forth between the nurses. You're like, what is going? Oh my god! <laughs> and like, yeah, it's. It's, it's just like those old things, those internet things where you have to stare at a video and it's like playing this stuff and it does a rah and like, it, yeah. it is almost exactly like that. Like, you know, when, when someone back in the early days of email, when they sent you something and they're like, stare at this beautiful cornfield or like try and cross your eyes while looking at it, you'll see a hidden picture. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, if you don't see it, look closer. And like, so you look closer <laughs> and, and all of a sudden it's like Captain Howdy from fucking Exorcist. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's a good one. Um, the end sequence of Wreck. I don't know if you, did you ever see Wreck? I, uh, I know what it is, but I did not. It's Spanish, right? It's uh, Spanish it film. is. Yes. Yeah. I, I know you're a fan of the, uh, the well done. Um, the VHS series. Uh, the, uh, yes. Um, and the, What's the subgenre of horror? That found I'm, footage. Found footage. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, it is uh, an ex. It's probably one of the best found footage uh, movies next to Paranormal Activity. Um, mm-hmm. But the the sequence at the end, like you're just, um, you know, they they stumbled into an old lady's apartment, um, but they don't really know that someone is living there. They just see all these like newspaper clippings of you know, stuff about infections and whatnot. And then like you hear stuff. And so for like three or four minutes, you're just waiting for someone to pop out when it does. It's, it's nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, Invisible man. When Cecilia throws the paint uh, through the, the, the door, uh, the, the, Oh uh, yeah. From the attic. Yeah. Uh, that scared the piss out of me just because it, it just literally comes out of nowhere. Yeah. That was highly effective. Yeah. Um, Barbarian. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's all. (laughs) (laughs) Holy buckets. Yeah, that part. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. Um, The Bent Neck Lady from Haunting of Hill House. Uh, Carrie, the the scene at the very end, which is actually not in the book, which is kind of cool. It uh, is just a a movie thing, which makes sense because I've. It could have worked as a uh, a piece in the book, but it's much more effective visually. So mm-hmm. I can see why uh, Argento added it in. So, um, and then uh, Pennywise from It Chapter One uh, mm-hmm. coming through the projector screen was uh, was pretty terrifying. So I know likey, I know likey that. <laughs> yeah, um, I love that uh, that It Chapter One and Two. Um, I feel like I'm in the the rare breed of individual that uh, really liked chapter two. I don't think it got talked about enough. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Studio Binder. I've talked about it before. It's one of my favorite YouTube channels. They mm-hmm. just teach you about film techniques and all sorts of things, like how to analyze theme. Um, how to see tight editing, um, sound breakdown. They did a 
they did a episode on the directing style of M Night Shyamalan, and so for as much shit I was I was giving him before, he does do a very good job with his production uh, quality mm-hmm. of his films. Like he knows what he's doing, and I, I really appreciate it because his movies are pretty to look at at times. Um, I just think he's kind of all over the place at other times, yeah. but. Studio Binder has a lot of the same ones you echoed. So talking about uh, jump scares from certain movies, I'll just kind of go quick through them. Scream 2 at the very end when um, the, the lady, you know, Billy's mom jumps up last minute. And you're just oh, kind of yeah. like, holy shit. Like, even <laughs> though you know it's coming because that's what Nev Campbell says. And you're like, okay, wait, it goes on just long enough for you to be like, it's not going to happen. Nope, nope, it happened. Um, and then The Exorcist 3, same thing, like you, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gremlins, there's a couple jump scares that are pretty good in it yeah uh, but they're they're pretty fun and I, I just think the fact that they're small just like in child's play anytime it's a small thing that jumps out you're like oh shit that's kind of gnarly yeah um ouija origin of evil mm-hmm. uh our boy mike flanagan did that of yep. course there are some pretty solid jump scares in that movie as well yeah um the evil dead again this is studio binders list that they are ranked uh the evil dead in 81 absolutely the evil dead has some pretty crazy moments that you're just yeah. like holy buckets um annabelle creation so annabelle mm-hmm. part of that uh, conjuring universe yep. and that is the the origin story so basically the prequel um they did a, actually a pretty good job with that i like the i like the second two the first one was okay but mm-hmm. annabelle creation and annabelle comes home or whatever mm-hmm. the i think that was the third one yeah uh those were actually pretty good uh, i i thought they were pretty solid i agree with you on that yeah. And then um, Insidious, like you were saying, the mm-hmm. the goddamn red mask always gets me. I'm just yeah. like, oh, boy. very, very scary. Yeah. Um, Drag me to hell. So, oh, God, I love that movie. Doesn't that get talked fun. about enough. That movie is fun. But the, mm-hmm. the, the old lady, then the, the oh, God, the she's dead so body, gross. It's so disgusting. Yeah. Um, the Conjuring 2. So uh, basically the nun. Mm, scenes with her and and Mm -hmm. such and just the conjuring itself just has so many good jump scares it just like you were talking about the the projection screen even the under the um uh, the drain you know the intro to pennywise yep uh is pretty pretty awesome Candyman, Candyman does such an amazing job the original Candyman in 92 such an amazing job of like how i was given the example of a jump scare where somebody looks in a mirror and and they open it and then when they close it we're expecting them to see somebody behind them in this situation it doesn't work so she closes the mirror and it's just her reflection and then all of a sudden Candyman jumps through the fucking mirror he jumps through the mirror yes yeah it, it is you're not expecting it and it is like holy shit so they such a good job Candyman's one of my favorite horror films of all time and it's it's it gets better with each viewing, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. Tony Todd is, is is the man. He's the goat. He's so cool. Yeah. Um, the Descent, like we were just talking about. So the yeah. night vision scene is scares the, the, the Jesus out of me. Oh, my God. Whew. Yeah. That Gives movie. The willies, that movie. Even them crawling through everything. It's so claustrophobic. It's so visceral. But mm-hmm. um, Evil Dead 2. Same thing. There's a lot of jump scares in that one. Uh, Lights Out. I actually didn't see Lights Out, but I I, I saw this the short film it was based on, and mm. that one is pretty scary. Um, just yeah. f- the idea of it, because whenever I turn off lights in my house, I always look to see if there's a shadow. And we've all <sighs> we've all seen shadows, so we're always like, "What the fuck? What is that?" Right. Oh, it's, it's just my water bottle that looks like a human with a knife or something like that. So. Right. Um, and then finally, The Conjuring, when she lights the match. In particular, this is the scene I, I was remembering, but she lights the match and sees the the hands behind her or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, the hands like come behind her. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I, I don't, I don't like it. It's too realistic, and it's, it's, it's. Ugh, I don't like it. It's, it's too much for me. Yeah. Um. No. That. Uh. The the one from the descent is is great. It. Uh. Cause like, a lot of the movie, like, a lot of the movie, uh, spends its time just with the actual descent. So like the creatures, they don't really show up until what like the the third act. Yeah. Really. Um, so you're like, oh my God, like we still have to deal with this. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, when they, when they decide to come out during the, the night vision scene, like they turn it on and it's like behind that girl, you're like, oh my God, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's good. And uh, what a, uh, what a damn shame that that movie I watched the other night was so goddamn terrible. I know like by, by the descent director. Like, I don't know if he like just phoned it in or if he was like, like if he had a shadow director where his name was attached to it, but it was really <laughs> ran by someone else. I, I don't know what mm-hmm. it was. Cause like it had no presence of what the descent brought to the horror genre. Like it was like, I had a few redeeming factors. Um, uh, the movie I'm talking about is the layer. It just hit shutter um, like last week and mm-hmm. it's, I don't know. It's decent. Like, you know, if you're into terrible movies with shitty effects, then <laughs> sure go watch it. But uh, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. It's uh he also did the, the remake of Hellboy, and that was pretty terrible too. So. Oh, it was, yeah. I, yeah, I, I forgot about that. I, I don't think I've seen any of the Hellboy movies. I, I just, I don't know. It, it just doesn't really strike me as something that I want to watch for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. No worries. Um, okay. So I'm struggling to figure out the meaning of science. Like in all honesty, I was watching it. I'm, I'm kind of enjoying it for the most part, kind of not really liking it as much as I remembered, but I was digging deeper into it and I was like, what is the meaning of this? Cause it's not just about aliens. There's something obviously more. Mm-hmm. I feel there's a connection between religion and family trauma somewhere in there, but yeah. I can't quite put my finger on it. So let's discuss this. You know, religion way more than I do. Um, I did not grow up religious. I just uh, kind of twiddle my thumbs and listen to all of the, the vitriol that people spit at each other. Sure. Um, but what do you think the meaning of signs was? And then I'll follow that up with, do you believe in miracles, coincidence, or perhaps purpose? Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. So, uh, yeah, this, this movie, it kind of came out and hit me at a, uh, interesting time in my life. Like I was, I was actually in a pretty similar position that Graham was in, in this movie where he was you know, in the the midst of denouncing God and faith and religion and the priesthood and everything that he he did over um, losing faith that there was a God. Uh, and you know, when this movie came out, I was kind of uh, at the crest of that decision to kind of abandon the Catholic Church and seek answers for myself instead of having things dictated to me. Like it was uh, no, no pun intended gospel. Um, So, you know, I I think signs is meant to be like a variable, like most art, you know, it's up for interpretation and I'm sure M night has his own meanings, but uh, so basically we start out with Graham, like no longer believing in God he's lost his faith. And by the end of the movie, he's a priest again. 
personally, I don't think the meaning is like God and faith good, everything else bad. Because <laughs> um, like, if you look at it at extremely surface level, like that's that's kind of what it looks like. Is like you know, God is good. Like it wraps up with him becoming a priest again. So. If you're dumb enough, you could probably draw that conclusion. Or if that's the conclusion you want to draw, then good for you. Um, but I don't think that's all it's trying to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you recall the conversation that Graham had with um, Meryl on the couch when the kids fell asleep. Right. Um, great scene, by the way. One of my favorite, like, non, like, scary scenes from the movie. Like, genuine conversation. And then Meryl follows it up with the hilarious, like throw up, like puke story from the, mm-hmm. the party that he went to. Um, but, you know, Graham was talking to Meryl about how things in life just happen. Uh, and it's up to us whether we want to dismiss it as just like chaos or shit just happens or if there's actually some reason behind it. And, you know, like I said, I think that scene is pivotal and pivotal for this reason. Um, And and my interpretation is that, you know, like Graham stated, it is up to us as viewers to kind of make that decision. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that ultimately it's fine, whatever you end up deciding. Obviously, in the end, he he basically picks up picks back up with the faith with the priesthood uh becomes you know a priest again so that's you know that that was the the role that he played but you know it's i feel like that's just kind of what i glean from it is that you know life is it's fucking weird and <laughs> you know uh, on a long enough timeline yeah everything happens for a reason uh if I meet my wife at the top of the stairs and I push her down the stairs. Um, She fell down the stairs because I pushed her. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you could argue that like, you know, I had some ulterior motive or God was present and (laughs) God was telling me to push her. Like, you know, so many things can be derived from, you know, the, the littlest things. And so I, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's all about like, you know, how, how you feel about it. Um, you know, that's, that's just kind of what I picked up. Isn't it just us clawing for answers though? I mean, so, you know, Morgan survives the, the poison shot at him by aliens, um, because his he has asthma and he says that he's like this was basically meant to be because he has asthma and that's that's why he has it right um everything that colleen says comes to fruition um everything she says about the kids and 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 meryl it all comes to fruition at that point in the movie when when that happens because it's a really weird flashback that it happens right as the alien has morgan in the climax and he just has his flashback to what happened. I was like, this is kind of stupid. Um, it was it was weird exposition. I'm like, you're, you're really going to hold our hand that much. Like, we can't draw it back to other times or like to in previous moments in the film. But I think that that was kind of bullshit when he's like, oh, there's a reason he had asthma. You know, and he didn't say that exactly. But you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I was 
for me as as a person like i you know i i don't knock people that that believe in the coincidence they don't believe in coincidence they believe you know things happen for a reason and there is a ton of truth and merit to that for me though i do believe that sometimes things just happen yeah that are unexplained and that's okay because when we go seeking answers for for questions that are basically rhetorical or things that just you know don't have an answer that's when we can drive ourselves a little mad and Therein that's when we lies go down, madness exactly we can go down the rabbit hole that way and then i think you're starting to fabricate answers or you're starting to find um narratives that will fit your narrative and then it becomes an answer and so i, I that that's the the tricky part for me but um yeah i mean i i can understand the there are no coincidences thing. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, for me, I believe in purpose. Um, I do. I don't believe in destiny, but I do believe in purpose. I believe that I have a purpose on this earth. I believe everyone has a purpose on this earth, mm-hmm. and it's it's up to you to find it. Shout out to episode three, The Last of Us. Yeah. <laughs> um, without oh too, my god. Without too many spoilers and without crying too much, but um, yeah, we all have purpose, man. I that's mm-hmm. I, I am a firm believer in that, and. I think my purpose is to uh, be annoying on a podcast and <laughs> and pretend like I know everything. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. If I was to land on the spectrum of a uh, a belief system or an ideology, it would probably be pretty close to existentialism. Yeah. Uh, it's just the simple idea that life has the meaning of what you give it. Um, I dig it. You know, it's uh, if you want life to have no meaning, that's what's going to happen. If you want to find meaning in everything, if you want to, uh, you know, just uh, just go about your day and let whatever happens happens. Like, you know, it's I don't know. It's when uh, when put into certain perspectives, like I think existentialism is quite beautiful. So that's that's what I that's kind of where I land. yeah, I'm I'm pretty agnostic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I believe in higher powers because I there just has to be. But at the same time, I'm a person who is okay being like, oh no, no, you know, that happened for a reason. I lost my job for that reason or something. Right. So um, I think it's I think it's a double-edged sword in that sense. But yeah, I'm, I'm I think I'm more agnostic if anything. Yeah, I I will say the asthma part scared the shit out of me when I first mm-hmm. saw this movie because. Uh, at the time I still had pretty bad asthma. So, uh, yeah, the idea of not only an alien invasion, but like, (laughs) like having an asthma attack in the middle of it, like Mm -hmm. scared me to death. Um, so (laughs) yeah, Yeah. it was pretty terrifying. Crazy times. Mm hmm. All right. Well, let's move on then. So this is my final question. And to beat a dead horse, because we've been talking about him a lot, but how do you feel about that? And this is my term. How do you feel about the narcissistic approach that M. Night Shyamalan (laughs) takes in a lot of his films by making himself an integral part of his movies? He puts himself as a character in each film, which isn't inherently bad because a lot of directors do that. Mm -hmm. But he likes to make himself a focal point in a good majority of his films, which kind of drives me bananas because he's not a good actor. And I also think it's too showy. It's look at me, look at me. I'm important to this movie and I directed it and I wrote it and I did that. So there's, there's a discussion to be had about this for sure. But what are your thoughts? Sure. So before I dive into my answer, I actually, I thought about texting you, but I thought it might be more interesting to just discuss uh, uh, during our recording. Um, so I'm going to bounce it back to you, uh, with a, a question. So like, can you 
give me like an example of what you think, um, like when you say like an integral role, like I, I disagree with that. Like granted, I haven't seen all of his movies. I haven't seen, um, the, the visit or whatever. I haven't seen after Mm -hmm. earth. I haven't seen, uh, the last airbender. Um, I think there might be one more in there. Uh, I know he plays a pretty big role in lady in the water. Uh, but other than that, I feel like all his roles, granted, he does have roles in most, if not all of his, you know, widely known popular movies, but they all seem like cameo roles. Um, he, he might play a slightly bigger role in some more than others, but like they, I don't know, it like signs I can kind of see because, you know, he, he's the one that killed his wife right and he t- he does the water thing he gives the theory about the water like i'm going to a lake you know i i don't see them anywhere near water so it might mean something sure. and I'm, it's kind of like okay I, I i i just feel that it's fine if you want to put yourself into a movie you totally can and i know i say this uh, juxtaposing my love of tarantino who does it all the goddamn time mm-hmm. however tarantino toned it back a lot Oh, yeah. um, after you know Pulp Fiction and such he'd have himself in his films but not a role that is like oh my god do I have to it's so important that this character is in here and yeah. so Signs I think he plays a very important part he's the cause of of Graham not being a um, a reverend anymore of you know don't call me father he he left because of that and even though it was an accident it's just it was one of those things and that could have been a different person Right. Uh, um, but yeah, like to answer your question, the sixth sense, he plays the doctor who um, diagnoses him saying all these, you know, he has all these bruises and cuts and he, he thinks it might be the mom who's who's hurting Haley Joel Osment. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in Unbreakable and Split and Glass. He just has a, some minor cameo roles in that. So that's not yeah, that big of a deal. Yeah. When I was looking up like his his cameo roles in his movies, I uh, that was one that stood out. But it's still like it still feels like a very small bit part, like not very important. Mm-hmm. Like he is like it's, it is kind of neat how you can see his character in those three movies. Like he's the same character um, and he becomes like, I guess, if you want to call it a better person or more like responsible adult. You know, because he's he's like I think trying to score drugs or something in Unbreakable, uh, and then or he's trying to rob someone, and then in Split, uh, in Split, and and Glass, he's like a security guard. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, so pretty minor in that. So again, I'm not I'm not super concerned about the minor roles. It's like Lady in the Water. He plays mm-hmm. uh, Vikron, and he is an author in that. Who this is his most like jerk myself off moment in, in my opinion where sure he, he creates a book called the cookbook and it's a story um that uh, you know he's finally able to, to think clearly and it inspires a great orator who eventually becomes the president of the united states but because of this he he also himself will get assassinated mm-hmm. it, but it's it's still this kind of like self-fulfilling prophecy and and whatnot and it's him just talking about how he's um He's going to ultimately lead humanity to their salvation and and, and whatnot. And I'm just like, get, come off it, asshole. When I saw that, I, I was it was so stupid. But yeah, I mean, he's toned it down a bit, but he still has moments in his films when you're you're like, okay, right. Um, and so for me, I guess I just I, I don't like it as much. But it's also that ties in with some of his interviews that he said too. 
I mean, I remember I was watching one and he's like, no other filmmaker is doing are, are doing the stories that I do. They're all original stories. And I'm like, I don't think that's an accurate statement because you're, you're really selling other directors short. Um, yes, you have original stories. So I really applaud that, but it's, um, it's, it's a lot. And it's a pretty, pretty brazen statement to, to say that, to just really kind of pat your own back in that setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when asked about his duds that he's had, he's like every, he said, every great artist goes through these, these times. And it's like calling yourself great is, is very pretentious in my opinion. Sure. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, uh, to play devil's advocate, uh, you know, I'm sure it takes a lot to mm-hmm. to be a filmmaker, just an average filmmaker. Um, it takes even more to be a good one and it takes even more to be a great one. Um, and I can't imagine how difficult it is to make uh, or try to make banger after banger. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I can kind of see where you're coming from. Uh, I can see it. Uh, you know, the, all those little things put together, I can kind of see a little bit of like, look at me, look at me, narcissism. Yeah. Uh, but maybe that's, that's kind of necessary. And he like, you know, that's, I feel like that's already kind of part of Hollywood and uh, part of all actors and directors and writers, like just some of it, some people show it more mm-hmm. than others. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, but I, I definitely see where you're coming from. So, yeah, I mean, I don't want to shit on him too much because, you know, like I said, no. Tar- Tarantino does it. Uh, Charlie Chaplin did it. But I mean, the thing is, it, that's different is Charlie Chaplin is actually what he was a good actor, right? Mm-hmm. Like he was one of the b- best comedians of all time. Clint Eastwood, same thing. He's a really good director and he's a good actor. Yeah. So like, I'm OK with that. And that's kind of it, it, it's slightly different. Um, I mean, yeah. hell, during the RNC, he was pretending that a, a guy was sitting in a chair on stage, <laughs> just pointing to some invisible man that was sitting in a chair. That's that's good acting right there. There you go. And uh, Hitchcock. Hitchcock did a great job of just putting himself in ba- as background characters. Mm-hmm. And that's what I liked. He might have had a line or two here and there, but he mostly just did a brief cameo. Yeah. Um, and and I'm, I'm OK with that. And I am OK with stuff that Shyamalan has done, because like honestly, at the end of the day, they're his movies he can do whatever he wants to me compounded with a lot of his interviews and stuff and and the fact that i think he's just failed a bunch and it's starting to become old for me i just don't really like what he does um that's not to say he's a really good director um i think that he definitely knows what he's doing it's just that it's not my cup of tea anymore yeah so yeah, I definitely get that. So with that being said, those are all my questions I have for you. So this is uh, my favorite part of the episode. We do our hottest takes. I want you mm-hmm. to defend one of your most controversial or hottest take on this movie, on movies of this genre, of this era, on actors from this movie, on whatever you have it. All right, go. Sure. So uh, at the beginning, you were mentioning uh, the good and the bad uh, from Shyamalan. And I think there are hard goods and hard bads. And then there it, it starts to become more muddied in the middle. <laughs> um, the, there's some that like people will say are aren't good. And then some people are like, no, it's actually it's, it's good. Um, the village. 
from from what I recall, when this movie came out, a lot of people shit on this movie and still do. And they uh, look at this as like the official or unofficial decline of mm-hmm. his his films and the overall quality. Um, and it may have started after this, but I I think The Village is a pretty fucking strong movie. I agree with um, you. I, I haven't seen it in a while, uh, granted. Um, I mean, it hasn't been like several years, but it's been at least a year or two since I've seen it. Uh, but like, I thought the twist of that movie was fucking great. Mm-hmm. Like, like the whole time, it's just like this Amish village. Like you, the whole <laughs> movie, you're tricked into believing that it's like, like uh, puritanical times. Like they just rolled over on the fucking Mayflower. Like, and that's, you know, what we're looking at, but it's like, she hops the fence and all of a sudden you see fucking cars going by <laughs> and you're just like, what the fuck? And like, so, and I know a lot of people, they were pissed about that. And then they were pissed about like the, the scary, the, the creature monster with like the huge human porcupine uh, looking mm-hmm. creature. They were pissed about that being like a costume. And I was like, that's great. Like it, it's, uh, this is what this group uh, or this sect of people would have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would have came up with these crazy stories to prevent their, their young children and adolescents from sneaking out. Uh, Fear mongering. It, yeah. It, it's what we as humans have done since the, the dawn of time. We still is, do it when people yeah, say like right. in Seattle, I live in Seattle. People are like Seattle's dying. And I'm like, it's, it's absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And, and people who, when we had during the pandemic, the, the black lives matter protests, and we had a whole section of a neighborhood in Capitol Hill that was quote unquote taken over. And it was a war zone. Mm-hmm. I had people messaging me and being like, is it really that crazy? I'm like, it's absolutely not there. <laughs> it's, it's actually like an open air market and you can walk. They have free food for you like it was totally tame it's just because there were a few people that got hurt in it and it and the news sensationalizes things yeah but yeah it's the fear mongering like you're saying in the village Mm -hmm. yeah um so yeah that that's my hot take is that uh the village was not the the start of his decline in the the quality of his films um Although it did start shortly after this. I can't remember what movie he put out after The Village. Uh, I know The Happening uh, came out uh, maybe a couple couple years after this. And that, I I rewatched that a couple weeks ago. And goddamn, it is fucking bad. So, yeah. So he did Lady in the Water after The Village. That that came out. And that's when it started to kind of go downhill a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because I I enjoyed it because it was more like a fairy tale. But it really wasn't what we were kind of expecting. Because, I mean, we're talking, he's doing 2000, 2002, 2004, 2006, 2008, 2010. I mean, he is doing every two years a movie, man. He's he's pumping them out like clockwork. Mm -hmm. And so he was on a hot streak there, right? And 99 was signs. So um, he's on a hot streak. But yeah, the happening was 2008. And that that was, you know, Mark Wahlberg. What are are we doing? Are the trees talking (laughs) to us? The trees trees are blowing. We don't know where to go. And um, it's yeah, one of my favorite quotes uh, after that movie came out. Uh, so we were talking, and like one of my friends goes, "You know who the bad guy was in the happening? The bad guy is um, fucking uh, Al Gore. That's who the bad, <laughs> that's who the bad guy is. Global warming. No way, man. He invented the internet. <laughs> yeah, he did invent the internet. 
Yeah, it's it was. I agree with you. And and the thing about the village, which I absolutely love the village. I think it's an awesome movie. It's it's mm-hmm. beautifully shot. Roger Deakins, my boy, uh, was the DP yeah, on buddy. that one. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the use of color and the lighting is is fantastic. Yeah. But the thing that pissed people off the most, and you should go Google this, um, the trailer for the village, it it presented itself as a horror film. So a lot of people that went into it were misled because they thought it was going to be a horror film. And and M night Shyamalan himself to his credit came out and said years later that that was his biggest, probably his, one of his biggest mistakes is making that trailer, cutting it to seem like a horror film and misleading audiences Mm -hmm. um, because that wasn't his intention. And so I really liked the village a lot. I agree with you that his decline wasn't, wasn't that it probably was lady in the water and then the happening definitely took a nosedive. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Cool. Uh, So, okay. Well, with that being said, what's your letter grade for signs? Uh, you know what? I think I'm going to give this a solid B, a solid B. Okay. Do you have anything else you want to add to about signs? Um, I, you know, I don't think my opinions necessarily have shifted too much, uh, from, from when I first saw this, uh, you know, being completely honest, I might be a little lower on it. Uh, but that's just because I think that just comes with experience and watching more movies, exposing yourself to a breadth of, uh, a wider, um, range of horror movies and so coming back to this um you know trying to keep everything in perspective um and you know i i still think it's super enjoyable i think it's shot great i think it's very self-contained um mm-hmm. like it, it's uh i like the idea of keeping it like with the family like you know they they're very hesitant to like turn on the tv like you know they don't the kids and Meryl, they want to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, like the dad, he he's like, no, nothing's happening. We're not going to watch the TV. Um, and so like it, even when they do decide to turn on the TV and they see what's going on, uh, around the world, it still feels very much like you're just, you're still in this family's lives. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're still like a part of their family. And, I think uh, I think that's one of the things that this movie has going for it. It's just it feels very contained and and grounded um, for it being an alien movie. So and I agree with that because I think that along with the score, I think the score was awesome in this. Oh, yeah. Um, Howard Howard Newton did it. um, And I think that it was a fantastic score but it felt very much like a twilight zone episode mm-hmm. which is usually self-contained like you're talking about but yeah. even from the intro right we, we just just get the title card straight off the bat yeah and, i and, love yeah. when movies do that by the way it's very old school like mm-hmm. that's what like old, like old hammer movies like dracula and shit mm-hmm. like they they used to do that all the time where they would roll the credits first uh and have that um the the what is it the the overarching theme or score um, playing. And then uh, it, it kind of like gets you in the right mindset. It gets you ready for the movie. So, yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. And so I'm, I'm a huge fan of um, 
huge fan of the twilight zone so to me that did a, a good job because they jump right into the action it's it's not it's not something that is drawn out uh mm-hmm. james james newton howard sorry i was it's not howard newton james oh, okay. newton howard is uh the composer uh, very Newtons? very famous yes yes exactly <laughs> um yeah uh, did the dark knight for for example so uh, yeah well he, he worked with hans zimmer i should say sure so um anyhow uh, I agree with that. I think a couple things too uh, for me were I liked the moments of exposition in it um, mm-hmm. that they had a setup and then a payoff in the end. But I also didn't like moments of exposition that were hand holding. So like when he sees the fingers missing on the alien, they they zoom in to show it or they at least focus on it, and then it cuts back to the flashback of him cutting off the finger. And I'm like, you got to treat your audiences smarter than that, dude. We we know that this was from. You know, we know that this was from the time that you uh, cut the finger off. It's just, it's kind of ridiculous in my opinion. But <laughs> otherwise, he did a good job of exposition in the film. Um, and yeah, otherwise, the, the production value was, was good. So Signs yeah. was one of those movies for me that upon this rewatch, I did, or did not like it as much mm-hmm. as I remembered. So for that, I'm going to say it's a C. I'm with mm-hmm. uh, everyone okay. else in the 75%. It's a C. I don't need to watch it for quite a while. Um, but there are moments of brilliance that, you know, you and I were talking about. So cool. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's all I have to say about signs. David, where can we find you on the social medias? Uh, yeah, so uh, we are on the big three, Facebook. Uh, Pick three. <laughs> f- the big three, the f- Facebook, um, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, we are not really on TikTok because we're not really into uh, Chinese spyware um, or Russian spyware. Uh, we, uh, we're the most active on Facebook because we have a Facebook group, uh, that is, uh, it's free to join. You can look us up. Uh, it's just the geek garage podcast fans and listeners. And, uh, we hold like all kinds of cool polls and conversations and we get a lot of, uh, ideas for new episodes through, uh, through that channel. So it's a good time. Uh, so head on over there and, and join us if uh, if you dare to enter. So Yeah, there you go. It is yeah. a good time indeed. Mm-hmm. Well, David, thank you again for being on the show. Oh, thank and, you for, uh, for having me. It's, it's always a blast to, yeah. to come on. And we'll do it again soon. Mm-hmm. So, everyone else, thank you so much for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at dbcrazypod and at zachdale60, where you can share your thoughts with us, you can give us film suggestions, you can tell us if we're crazy, or you can send us funny memes. Make sure you subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Additionally, we're also available on every other major podcast app. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, don't be crazy. Bye. Yeah.